Welcome to Waiting Tables, the podcast about church logistics, helping your church overcome logistical hurdles, and freeing you to focus on your mission. Now, here's your host, Tim Hoffer. Welcome to episode three of Waiting Tables. Uh, On this episode, we're going to talk about social networks, social media, and how churches can use them effectively, and, and maybe even sometimes when churches should just not bother to use them at all. I have a very special guest on this episode, my uncle by marriage, my wife's uncle, Mr. Tim Renshaw, who is uh, an elder in his church and also a uh, businessman who does a lot of social media marketing in his uh, day job. And he's thought a lot about these things. Welcome, Tim. Hi, Tim. Good to be here. I should have described you as the the very patient Tim Renshaw since (laughs) we just... We just recorded this podcast for about 15 minutes when I realized we weren't actually recording. So, yeah, it's a good it's a good warm up. We got an equipment test in. We got microphones, yes. headsets working, so it's good. The problem is uh, I turn off the air conditioner in my office while recording because it's very loud mm. and uh, it's 90 degrees outside of my office is starting <laughs> to heat up. But <laughs> so we'll have to keep well, moving. Then you're, here. you're the more patient one. I have a 70 degree office right now. So. Yeah, that sounds great. So we're going to talk about uh, social media, uh, social networks. Um, I I run. Uh, Facebook page, Twitter page, Instagram page uh, for my own church. And uh, I know you have a Facebook page at, at your church. And do you, do you largely manage that? Somebody else in the church actually runs that for us. The same nice lady that does our website. And, oh, uh, that's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on handing off our website, but uh, for now, anyway, I'm staying with our social media. Um, I, I was in the position, I think about five years ago, I sat down with our pastor and I said, look, we really need to think about how our church presents itself online. We need a better website. We should have social media, various things. Uh, And unfortunately, um, it was one of those things where if you uh, point out a need, I ended up being the one uh, who also (laughs) has filled that need for the past five years. So be careful what you suggest, because you may be put in charge. Yeah. I want to talk through kind of these main social networks. Uh, my, My take is at this point, Facebook... Twitter and maybe Instagram are really the main ones to talk about. Um, Google Plus is uh, never really taken off. LinkedIn, I, I think I, I I would never go to LinkedIn to look for a church. I don't know if someone does, but <laughs> it's not really the place for that. Um, don't be bashing Google Plus, though. That's it. I can't take any more. It's my favorite. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it is what it is. If if uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the numbers speak for themselves. I'm not arguing that. Yes. I, and there are other things these days, uh, you know, I, I'm sure some churches are trying to figure out how to use Snapchat or, or whatever, but uh, we're not going to get into that today. Yeah, they better um, hurry. And <laughs> the reality is all of this is constantly changing. And uh, if you're hearing this a few years after we've made it, uh, probably you need to think more about what's out there now. But um, uh, let's talk first about Facebook. And uh, I know you don't love Facebook for your own personal uh, life. And, but the, the facts are, you know, thinking about numbers, if you're using social media to try to, to reach people, try to pr- put information out there, Facebook is just where a lot of people are. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, it's kind of like the, uh, the old, uh, question of the bank robber. Why did you rob the bank? That's where the money is. Why right. do you use Facebook? Cause that's where the people are. Yeah. So yeah. I don't go to Facebook and look at it really ever, unless I get a notification, but I post to it several times a day for business. So right. I, I, yeah. I, I distribute to it to reach out, 
even though I'm not a big fan of going there for my own. Yeah. And there seems to constantly be stories about, oh, Facebook is dying. Millennials are no longer on (laughs) Facebook, all these things, but it it is not, it's not dead yet. So. Right. Well, and it's, it's getting a a broader demographic. So even if the millennials are leaving, then, uh, you know, there's other, I think I saw the biggest, the fastest growing is 65 plus on Facebook right now. Oh, interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, there are several ways y- your church can present itself on Facebook. Um, one is you, and this is a way I would not suggest, is you can actually just create a personal profile that's intended to be represent a person for your church, and someone could come and click on you and uh, click add friend for your church. And um, I'm largely bringing that up because I've actually seen that, and that's that's a bad way to use Facebook. It's confusing for people. It's Things are not going to be very publicly available. It's it's just don't do that. <laughs> right. Um, you can also create Facebook groups, which are an old feature of Facebook. They've been around for maybe since the beginning, ten Probably, plus years. Yeah. Um, I've I've actually been on Facebook since two thousand and five. That's a lot of my life. Um, and I remember them way back. And you can use a group for a church. Um, sometimes people create private groups if you just want kind of internal discussion for your church. And it's a it's a fine way if you want people to be able to easily share events that they have going on or something. Um, I would say public groups aren't really a great way of uh, communicating about your church to people outside of your church because Facebook just isn't really designed for people to come across those as easily. So really what you should do, I think, if you're going to present your church on Facebook is create a Facebook page, which you do at facebook.com slash pages slash create. And uh, this is specifically what Facebook has designed in their words to give your brand, business, or cause a voice on Facebook and connect with the people who matter to you, which uh, is a it was a worthy goal. Uh, the flip side of that, which maybe we can talk about in a minute, is Facebook also tries to use that to uh, get money from you for advertising, but uh, they at least make it available. Correct. So you can go on there and you just fill out a profile, uh, basic information about your church. You can put in your website, you can put your service times, um, kind of basic information. Uh, and I would suggest even if you aren't going to be posting on Facebook, which you don't have to do, I would suggest that uh, any church should go on and at least create that page and fill out that basic information because it, it, it effectively functions as like a landing page or uh just kind of a directory. It's the, you know, the address, basic information. I mean, one of the main goals is to be findable online as readily as you can. So uh, as somebody that found their church purely online, uh, I always hearken back to how, how we ended up at the church we're at. And it's, you know, providentially was all guided online. And if it hadn't been online, you know, I just showed up out of the blue. I didn't know anybody at the church and trying to figure out how and why we showed up. So Right. Which is, yeah, I think uh, people are still undervaluing the reality that how do people find out about churches? Probably word of mouth as one of the top ways. And the other one these days is probably online. Churches are still concerned. Uh, you see people, you know, trying to advertise in the newspaper or, you know, having a, having a good sign on the road. We talked about that in the first episode with Chad Ashby. Having a good sign is important, but I doubt many people actually drive past the church and see it and then show up there. Uh, at least in, in the South where you and I are. I mean, you, <laughs> you're passing a church three churches every block, right? So it's right. You can't swing a cat and not hit a church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cat cat swinging is not endorsed uh, by this podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, 
Cattail. Uh, I meant cattail. Right, right. Reeds. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, oh, you know. One, one, one other point about that, about being findable and word of mouth. I mean, really, word of mouth today is what social networks are. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Word of mouth is people taking your content from your page and sharing it to their social networks. Right. And some of this gets down to what is it you're trying to accomplish with your Facebook page and for, you know. I think there's a lot to be said on a quote unquote social network. And a lot of times I think we think of them now as ad marketing networks, unfortunately, because that's what they've turned into. But, you know, our own members should be taking this page and propagating it to their social network and commenting on it. And that drives a bigger circle of influencers and makes you easier to find. Right, exactly. And uh, that's one of the things um, that I I do want to talk about, which is uh, Facebook in particular uh, and other other social networks as well, but Facebook makes sharing things kind of a core part of the system. Pretty much every post, everything that's on there, there's a share button, and then you can share it to your own profile, and that uh, through the the newsfeed and various things gets surfaced back to your friends. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things, if you have a church page, someone could at the very basic level, just come on and share your church page. And so the people in your congregation can say on their Facebook uh, profile, here's where I go to church and their friends will see that. And it's a good way um, to communicate about that uh, to your, to your friends. And I, you know, none of this from me is an endorsement of, (laughs) you know, uh, sharing your church's Facebook page is a requirement for evangelism in the 21st century. But (laughs) People are on there. Their friends are on there. You know, you can make this information available. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, there are several other ways. Once you've created this page, people can, you know, you can do the at and then you type the church name as you're putting a status and it'll like link the name back to your page. So you can say, oh, I'm so happy, you know, we had whoever preaching at our church today. And then you can just have it linked back to the page. And if someone wants to know more about that church, they can click on it and find out the times and, and information about it. You can also check in at a location. Um, so you can, from your phone, you can say, I'm at church today, uh, which is not a terrible idea. I mean, uh, let your, your friends know where you are and know how they can find you. Uh, right. And then just generally, it becomes kind of, I mean, it's it's sort of a directory. Um, people often use Google Maps to find a place, but you can search Facebook for businesses and um, then it has the address pop up and it'll let you click on it. It'll open in your map app or whatever. Um, it's just, it's all kind of structured and organized that way to, they're trying to make it easy for uh, people to find businesses and <laughs> so they can sell ads to those businesses. But <laughs> right. which, mean, does, which does bring up one other thing. I know we're talking a lot about Facebook right now, but I think, you know, as part of your online strategy, make sure that your church is a business findable on Google Maps. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. Um, uh, and that probably deserves its own episode um, because I know um, Google allows you to have a lot of control over that. And we had a lot of issues when we moved buildings to like update that information and figuring out who's the administrator and various right. things. But um, yeah, that that's a one, really great that, point. That is one thing we're having somebody on Google Plus uh, is a help because you can augment that listing on Google Maps through your Google Plus page, like, uh, you know, as a business, quote unquote, like on Facebook. But like you said, that could be its own podcast of the ins and outs of that. But don't forget, there are other things besides Facebook and your people may be there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and certainly, I mean, so uh, we actually get, because of how we have it set up, Google sends us 
these like business reports, like how many people search for directions to your church mm-hmm. on Google Maps every month. Um, and it's a lot. And, you know, I, I look for directions if I'm in a different part of town and I just want to know the fast way to get there. So it's not necessarily called always new people, but um, people are using that and having the right information in there is a really valuable thing. And I, that's uh, another kind of overarching point here is if you're many of these tools are going to try to automatically get information like Google is going to try to scrape information off your website and mm-hmm. show it in the Google search index. Mm-hmm. And they're also giving you the opportunity to say, hey, let's make sure this information is correct. Same on Facebook. You know, they sometimes auto create business pages based on websites or something. Um, And if they're giving you the opportunity to at least make sure the information is correct, (laughs) you might as well do it. Yeah, better to manage your own message than to let some uh, algorithmic system attempt it. Yeah. And, And then one of the other things with Facebook is they make it easy for people to send messages to pages. Um, so you can, on any business or whatever, you can say, hey, I want to send a message. And this isn't like a, a public post that shows up on the profile, but it's a private message that gets sent to the administrators of the page. Uh, and I would suggest if, if you have the Facebook page, you should be attentive to that and, and responsive to that. And we don't get many messages, but we do once in a while. And uh, one time our neighbor was really upset that we were uh, mowing the grass at 7 a.m., and she used our church's Facebook page to complain about that. And we we were able to use that to respond to her quickly. And our, our pastor called her and uh, we apologized. And uh, ultimately, us being attentive to that allowed us to uh, be a good neighbor to her. And I think that's that's worth doing. Absolutely. Second commandment, after all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... <clears throat> You know, some people are going to go try and track down your email address, but if they're just searching quickly and they click the first thing that says contact, uh, they might do it through Facebook. Uh, and, and that's really a good reason. Uh, so if you have a Facebook page, you can install a Facebook pages app on your phone that will send you those messages. And one of the great things about the pages app is it's just separate from your whole personal Facebook thing. So you're not, if you're trying to ignore your own personal Facebook page, you can <laughs> at least stay attuned to your business pages, which might include a, a church page or, or whatever. For, we also have the, the page for this podcast, Waiting Tables on Facebook. It's the same kind of thing. And people can send me messages there and mm-hmm. I can access that through the app. And one of the downsides, I would say, uh, of having a Facebook, any of these kind of brand pages is... You have to have that linked to a personal page. So I have, I think, four or five brand pages that I run on Facebook. And as a result, I'm basically locked in on having a personal page because you can't delete your personal account and still maintain all of those other things. So right. it is what it is, but that's that's the reality. But you were, you were saying before we recorded that you can also control those notifications separately. So you can go on your personal page and say, don't notify me about anything. Don't send me emails. But you can say for your brand page, your church page, please let me know. Yeah, exactly right. Mm-hmm. And you can also set up multiple administrators. So that right. Multiple yeah. So people you can, can be dealing with those. Exactly. So we have all our elders and deacons who are on Facebook. I just go on and, and designate them as administrators. But uh, if you have someone else in your church, like, like you had mentioned, a woman in your church helps run the social media, um, you can go on and um, add them as an administrator as well. Right. Uh, so that's linked to multiple accounts. So uh, I guess 
what kinds of things might a church want to post to Facebook? Um, that's a little bit just up for you to decide, depending on who your church is and various things. <laughs> you can go out and read articles about this. Um, people have all kinds of crazy recommendations. Someone said, if all else fails, you should just comment on the current events of the day. And I just was thinking, please don't. (laughs) (laughs) Facebook has enough commenting on the current events of the day. Mm -hmm. We use ours to share um, our sermons. I think that's a really great use of it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you record and upload your sermons, post them on Facebook. And one of, I would say... uh, You know, at least in reformed churches and kind of reformed evangelical Christians, they are really interested in in looking for a church. They're interested in what the sermons are like. And so they go, if they're looking for a church, they go listen to sermons. Mm -hmm. And for our own church, we can post those sermons and then people in our congregation can go share those sermons and others can hear them. And and obviously it's not, (laughs) it's not all just a big marketing ploy. No, we do want people to hear those and come to our church, but also it's an opportunity for friends of people in our church to hear the gospel and hear the word. And it's such an easy way to do it versus, oh, my pastor preached a good sermon. Let me mail you a cassette tape, which people did in the past. Right. I remember growing up, my dad got, uh, my parents got cassettes mailed. I don't know if they were every week or every month or something, but cassettes mailed from the church that they had met in uh, mailed to us and they listened to those, which that's just a lot of work. Yeah, we we were still shipping out CDs up to about a year ago. Yeah, I'm people ask me for CDs pretty regularly, but nobody has recently, which I'm thankful for. <laughs> yeah. We, the first couple of no's generally put the, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we do the same thing. I mean, our primary weekly posts are, there's two things that pretty much I think hit every week. Uh, what, you know, a lead in on Friday or Saturday is to the worship service. What's going to be preached. Uh, if some, you know, if we've got a guest, speaker if one of our missionaries right. is going to be in town that kind of thing and then sunday afternoon uh or monday morning we put up the link to the sermon audio the uh, sermon yep yeah and yeah i just i think there's basically no reason other than it takes some work to not just go and share your sermons if you're posting your sermons online facebook is a great place for making them available and, and making them shareable um we do we don't really have a strategy or overarching thing but um, I'll just post scripture passages here and there on ours. And I know some churches will share articles from from various places. Um, we, we largely just share if something our pastor has written or maybe something from our denominational website, but we don't use it a whole lot as a, I guess, kind of educational thing of making lots of articles, various things. Yeah, about. I mean, it kind of ties into what your core online strategy is. Yep. And if you are running a really active website and you've got a pastor or pastors, you know, blogging and you got content three or four times a week, well then, yeah, that should be going yeah. out to every uh, social network you can think right. of, whether you've got people there or not. But, you know, uh, in our particular case, you know, our, that's not the purpose of our website and, we just don't have that much blogging going on. And, yeah. you know, my opinion is, you know, the members should take the, you know, the information that we have and that we do post and reshare it and be sharing in their own lives and their social media. You know, something somebody said to me was, uh, you know, is there enough evidence on your social media page to convict you of being a Christian? And, uh, you know, that's what we try and encourage yeah. you know, our folks to do is go out there and be a Christian right. in the social sphere where you are and take that here's information to comment on and have at it. 
kind of going down a rabbit hole, but one of my friends who's a, a minister who's actually decided not to be on Facebook at the moment, but uh, at various times he's tried to use Facebook to really engage with people. And it's it's easy to be critical of social media and just think that people just argue all the time and post dumb things or whatever. But his take was there's a sense in which social media is like going to the street corners and, and, and sharing the word with people. It is. It's actual people behind these profiles, right? So mm-hmm. just because the, the medium is different doesn't mean they're not people with souls uh, who need to hear the word. So it's it's worth thinking about. Um, and I think also I have some kind of meta points at the end I'd like to talk about. But one of those is the reality is social media also can help us. The electronic media can help us to engage with people in real life. Like, I mean, you were saying you discovered your church online and and we don't want to encourage people to just uh have some kind of online church life altogether there are online churches these days and i uh, frown towards that but you can use these things to let people know hey we're real people we have a real building (laughs) and we want you to come be here with us right Um, while simultaneously saying hey you're a christian in wherever rural South America, and you have access to Facebook through your smartphone, and we would love for you to hear our sermon <laughs> simultaneously. Right. So there are a lot of a lot of good that can come out of all these things. Uh, a slightly awkward topic is the reality that Facebook allows you to review pages. Um, so, you, and this is the same with Google Maps. Uh, and I I don't really have a good way to think about this for our church, um, but the fact is at least people of my generation. And, um, and I, I partially say that because one time my mom told me she never noticed the stars on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, wait, someone doesn't look at the reviews on Amazon. I was like, that's, that's how I make all my decisions in life. Um, so I, I don't know if it's true for everyone, but people of my generation look at reviews online and, and think about that as we're making decisions. <laughs> that's why a lot of businesses really encourage you. Oh, if you enjoyed this, if you enjoy this restaurant, please go leave a review. Uh, Cause it can mean a lot to them. Um, and for better or worse, churches allow you to have reviews. And, uh, I'm looking at our church's page. We have 13, five-star reviews, one, four-star review. Uh, but that one said we are a welcoming and warm congregation. So not sure why we missed the last star, but then we have two one-star reviews, um, which (laughs) I have no idea what to say about that or what to do about that. Um, but, uh, it's possible you want to encourage people in your church to go leave reviews just because people do see that and, and think about it. But uh, it just seems awkward and odd to me. So. It is strange. Yeah, we've, uh, <laughs> I was just reviewing the one one star that we have on ours. And um, yeah, okay, that guy just hates churches. Yeah, and yeah, the, the people who... <laughs> Look through his Facebook post. He has nothing good to say about church as a general... Right. The one star reviews I have appear to just be kind of spam uh, for mm-hmm. our church. And, uh, but you know, the, if you, if people leave five star reviews uh, and you, I guess on Facebook, you don't even actually have to leave a review. You can just rate something without leaving any. And, but yeah, it, it shows up. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It's a weird, weird topic, but it, it's worth being aware of. If you get um, whatever, for whatever reason, you end up with a bunch of one star reviews, it's going to have a negative impact, which is, it's just the awkward reality of that. Same on Google. Uh, I don't know, but any review system is subject to that in gaming and yeah. you know, uh, you know, so in any kind of a campaign, you get on the wrong side of the wrong group in your town, and oh boy, yeah, which is yeah. I mean, that's a, 
a valid, I mean, that's a, a reasonable thing for a church to expect to happen at some point, but uh, anyway. Yeah, and if it turns out you're on the wrong side of the crowd, you probably should be. Where does a badge of honor? Right. So uh, I guess the, speaking of gaming, the, the final thing I would have to say about Facebook is um, Facebook, so there's all this kind of talk in the news. Facebook uses these algorithmic news feeds. So your news feed is not just things shown in time order, but it's based on whatever fancy things that they're doing behind the scenes. Um, and, and one of the things they do is with these pages is they basically try to get you to pay money to promote your posts so they show up higher in people's pages. Right. And we've done this a couple of times if we're having a conference, uh, which I guess another thing you can do on Facebook is you can make an event page, which I highly recommend. If you're having a conference or something, go make an event page so people can share that and invite their friends to it. It's very easy to do um, and it's a good way to share information. But um, we don't have a budget set aside for advertising on Facebook, um, but they they don't know that and they ask me for money (laughs) constantly. Um, And a downside for better or worse is they essentially trade money for making your things more visible to people. And so not everyone is going to see everything you post, even if they have liked your page and are following your page, they might not see everything you post. Right. Which is why it's important, I think, for, you know, to uh, encourage your members to utilize your stuff in their own lives online. Right. In terms of like resharing. Resharing. Yeah. I might not see that, uh, you know, church X posted anything, but, oh, you know, my sister posted something or, my friend down the street posted something. Oh, there! That's where they go to church. Didn't know. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. There's a lot more that can be said about this, but um, I, I would just summarize by saying, at bare minimum, you should create a Facebook page, put in your basic information, your website, service times, maybe the name of your pastor, and then you should at least respond to messages if people send messages. Uh, and then maybe kind of a secondary thing, if you have someone willing to do it, share your sermons on there. Um, but uh, I, I would also say my opinion is don't go crazy. You don't, you don't need to you don't need to post everything in the world on your church's Facebook page. So right. small small and simple is just fine. But uh, and I think that's a big improvement, a, a big step over nothing at all. Mm-hmm. So a couple other um, things we've used. One is Twitter, and we don't have a lot of people in our church on Twitter. Uh, I use Twitter a lot in my professional life, um, so it, it just kind of made sense to me to create a church page. Um, it's possible to use tools that like auto post something from Facebook onto Twitter. Uh, well, but just to, I guess, back up a little bit, Twitter is a micro blogging site. So you can share these messages of 140 characters at a time. Uh, and it's quite popular in certain realms. Uh, in my Mm -hmm. professional world, it's big and, and people use it a lot for sports. There's also a lot of churches and like theologians and various things on there. Um, but I would recommend don't just auto post your Facebook to there because if the Facebook post is longer than the Twitter post, it gets truncated and uh, it really looks for someone who uses Twitter a lot. It looks like you just don't actually care, which it <laughs> that kind of is not actually caring. Um, so if you're going to use Twitter, I would say also try to think about using it for what it is, which is a good way to share links. Uh, also a great place to share sermons and make them resharable. And then it's a great place to share kind of short pithy things. Like I, we share little Bible verses on ours here and there. Um, and you can also share pictures um, on all social media these days. Pictures are a big thing. So if you're taking pictures at church events, uh, throw them up there and um, and let them 
be where they eat into your into your character count. Uh, they don't anymore. Or they do less, or they changed oh, that did recently. They reduce that? Something oh, okay. about that, but I can't remember exactly. Well, I, but I have one little trick for uh, multi-posting. So you know, it's I post to on business stuff. I post I think uh, five different social networks, all the same content uh, at different rates but we could talk about that it doesn't matter um but yeah twitter's the oddball because it only has the 140 character limit and i hate to write copy twice <laughs> so right make your most impactful sentence the teaser in the first 140 characters and then right. if it's a longer thing put that after so that it looks good to twitter and they're inclined and incented to read more and that it looks right then to everybody on facebook google plus Instagram, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, would say if you're using Twitter, think about the fact that you have less characters to deal with. They're and only, yeah, they're only going to see that first bit. Twitter, for whatever reason, has had this reputation, and maybe it's what it was early on, but the reputation it got was like, oh, it's just where people talk about what they're eating for lunch. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, sometimes people do use it for that, but um, people use it for a lot more. And um, I. I I use it as professional networking and just kind of knowledge sharing with colleagues. And um, there's a great post from years ago that John Piper from Minneapolis wrote uh, in 2009, actually, why he was using Twitter. And uh, he he said, you know, um, people can use Twitter for, uh, he says, uh, shortened attention spans, disembodying relationships, luring people away from scripture feeding the fires of narcissism. And he said, that, you know, all that's true, um, but we could also use it for, uh, this is a very John Piper sentence, try to fill these media with as much provocative, reasonable, Bible-saturated, prayerful, relational, Christ-exalting, truth-driven, serious, creative pointers to true greatness as you can. Uh, and I think if if people are actually wanting to do it well, you can do it well. And it doesn't just have to be filled with drivel and, and meaninglessness. And in this blog post, which I'll link to in the show notes, which are at waiting-tables.com, uh, he says, can you actually magnify Christ with a thimble full of letters? And then he, he writes a little kind of snippet that's sort of like a, a little poetic verse, um, which saying, you know, I think you can give glory to God even in brief snippets, which, and he also gives the example, look at Proverbs. I mean, Proverbs is <laughs> the the latter sections of Proverbs are kind of like tweets. They're little short, pithy things. And, and that's actually something we do sometimes just share a proverb on, on Twitter for people to see. Right. I, I would again, go back to one of the best things you could do. If, if you're going to do it is share your uh, sermons. And uh, one nice thing is we use sermonaudio.com for our sermons and they will auto share straight to Twitter. So I don't even have to post that. As soon as the sermon's posted, it tweets out a link to it. Um, and then others can go and reshare those. Or um, I think another thing is, you know, just in thinking about presenting your church, if someone goes and Googles you, they might come across these social media pages. And Twitter is one for that. I think if you are actually using it regularly, people are going to notice. Because if it says, oh, the last time you posted was 2011, somebody might be like, well... I guess that church is dead. They don't actually do anything. So I would say it's one that's worth, if you're going to use it, actually update it regularly, even if it's every week with your sermons. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, you can you can talk about using Twitter poorly, but at least if somebody finds you and sees that you're active, it's proof of life, right? Yeah, So, and it, it doesn't really have the same kind of um, directory. So with Facebook, I think you really can just create a profile and leave it without posting. But Twitter is one, just the way it's set up, if you're not using it actively, 
it just looks kind of uh, dusty. And I, I would suggest if you're not going to use it, shut down the account um, probably. Uh, but if you are going to use it, try to update it regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, you know, you can go look around uh, um, how different churches use it, but uh, people do. And, and there are people out there. Again, these are usually, not maybe not always, but usually people on the other end of these Twitter accounts. Um, and you can choose to use it in a God-glorifying way or, or not. But um, I, I, and, and most demographics, it's going to be a less commonly used thing than Facebook. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things too on Twitter is because it's such a it's a rapid fire stream. It's you know it is a stream of content. So right. if you're going to post, go ahead and post that thing up. You know, it, you know if you've got something you post on Monday to Facebook, well, it's bad etiquette on Facebook to post it every the same thing every day. Right. Well, that's not bad etiquette. Yeah, and actually is. Uh, augments your Twitter feed, post it every day, post it twice a day for the whole week. Yeah. So people just see it flip through as it goes by. Yep. Um, so a third one that's, that's big and, uh, we use lightly, which is Instagram and Instagram's owned by Facebook, but, um, it's people think of it largely as a way to share pictures, which is true, but you can also add some, a caption to the picture. So, uh, we use it to, um, uh, well, I, (laughs) Partially, I use it just to be out there, just so you know, if people are looking for us, they can find us, then they, they can see something about us. But I'll share some pictures here and there. Like we had a church work day recently, and I took some pictures and shared those. My, if we have a special event, I'll photograph that, share some pictures from that. Uh, we have a denominational kind of this day in the history of our denomination, and they usually have a just a little snippet in a picture, and sometimes I take that and share that on our church's Instagram page. But um, I don't do it a lot. It's mostly do it because it's easy to do from my phone. And I just kind of figured, why not do it? And a lot of people use it. It's very popular these days. And um, you can remind people that you're there. And I I think it's an opportunity to kind of communicate a little bit about the personality of a church if someone's wondering if you share pictures. And I've thought about doing something like um, kind of like here's our family or individual of the week, interview somebody, share their picture and type a little bio of them or something. But that'd be a lot of work. So I haven't done that. Yeah, probably be a good idea to get permission and participation. Now it's more work. It's more organization. Yeah. So you use, um, th- there are tools that allow you to post to, to multiple sites at once. Like, do you use Buffer in your work? Is that, or do you? Yeah, do I you settled use? on, uh, actually I use two in tandem. Okay. Uh, but primarily I use Buffer for the scheduling. Yeah. And then uh, I actually use something called Friends Plus Me. And yes, it's okay. Google Plus oriented um, because it does. We were talking before about Twitter versus all the other uh, social medias. Is Buffer doesn't do a good job of truncating Twitter messages. It basically, if okay. the message is longer than 140 characters, it drops it on the floor and just sends the picture or the page. Gotcha. Well, that's unfriendly. But friends and me actually will take my, let's say, 400 character message truncate off the first 140 characters with the picture with a dot, dot, dot to let you know that there's more, um, which is why I try and construct that first sentence to be what it is. But anyway, uh, not to get too much into technicalities, but it, it's nice because you can do scheduling. You can schedule out. I've got post schedule out through the end of the year for my business account, which hits, like I said, uh, five different social networks and I think eight or nine different actual pages because I have 
a couple of Facebook pages. I have a couple of Google Plus pages. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so there are those kinds of tools available. And the reason I sort of brought it up right now is um, Instagram doesn't have any kind of interface for people, for those tools to auto post Instagram. So um, it all has to be manual. And, and you can't even post to Instagram through the website. You have to use a phone. Um, but um, it's out there and, and a lot of people use it. Um, yeah. If it's something you want to do. And um, one, I guess one other thing I wanted to mention about social networks is there are several different services out there that are sort of like private church social networks. And companies use these also. I've been at companies that try to use them, which are sort of like an internal Facebook just for our um, church or company. Um, my opinion is that those are probably not worth the hassle in most situations. People don't really want to sign up for yet another thing. Um, and it's work for someone to administer. It might cost money. I, I just, I'd be happy to interview someone if anyone uh, ever hears this and is, uh, runs one of those kind of things and wants to come on and talk to me about it. I'd be happy to share, but I would say don't <laughs> really ask people to sign up for something else unless you really need to, which is one of the, the motivations of Flocknote, which the last episode, episode two, I interviewed uh, someone from Flocknote, which is a church email and texting service I used. And one of the motivations for them was, look, people don't want to be on another social network, but everybody has an email account or can text. So just communicate with your own congregation, communicate with them and don't try to do yet another thing. Yeah, especially, yeah, don't don't get me started on Facebook, especially another closed off silo yeah. from the internet. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a generally bad idea. Go to where people already are. Don't try to drag them into something. Just in uh, closing here, I, I laid out a few thoughts, but but one thing that's come across, uh, I hope, is that uh, doing this requires a little bit of thoughtfulness, and you can do it all kind of haphazardly. I would suggest that you know you really see social media as a form of communication communication with your own congregation and with those in, in your community or whoever. Uh, and as uh, my first guest on episode one, Chad said, you know, communicating, even with a church sign, communicating well can be a form of loving people well. Because um, you're, you're, you're saying, hey, I care about you. And so I'm going to think about how I share this with you or what I share with you. And not just like, oh, here's whatever things blasted out left and right or messages never being responded to or all these various things. So... I would say if you're going to do social media, give it some thought and, and try to think, hey, how can I do this well? And how can I represent my church well? Um, and and one post I looked at uh, about the ultimate church social media strategy, which is <laughs> is what it is. But they said, you know, your, your church's social media personality also should be an accurate reflection of your church. Um, so if you, if you have a little church of 30 people and, and you meet in a school gym and you know you don't need to hide that and uh if people see your church on social media you would hope that if they show up on sunday they're not like totally surprised like oh this isn't what i expected you know you, you seemed much whatever bigger or fancier or anything just you know i think you just go ahead and be what be who you are and, and don't try to use social media to hide that or or to portray who you wish you were right um Another thing along those lines is all of these social networks these days are very image focused. Uh, Facebook years ago, um, well, I remember when you couldn't even share pictures on Facebook uh, in the very early days. But years ago, you know, a, a status message was something that people really stopped to look at. 
And often now, if you share something and it doesn't have an image associated with it, just the way it, it's set up, people are going to scroll right past. Um, so something you, you might want to think about is, hey, can we do photography at our church? And even if it's just thinking about, you know, here's our people have smartphones. Can we collect pictures from people and, and share those? Or I'm hoping next week to have a, an episode about or in two weeks, have an episode about um, kind of basic of graphic design for churches. Uh, which is really, again, just like if you're publishing anything, if you're you know making a, a flyer for a an event, you're making you're doing graphic design. So <laughs> maybe you can think about trying to do that well. And and if you're sharing images and media on social media, you, you can you could just I guess kind of shoot yourself in the foot by, by if you're just constantly posting like really blurry pictures or whatever, something that looks like it's made in Microsoft Paint. Um, right. And, and there's so obviously many easy not, and cheap online tools. There's no reason to have that happen. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just... Uh, oh, and a good cheap trick on uh, Twitter to get past the 140-character limit? Yeah. Have a picture full of text. Yeah, and you can do that. And there, there are ways to generate those automatically and things. Um, yeah. And all of these things are... <laughs> we, can, we can pontificate about the way we would want people to consume media or use their time or all these various things, but we're in the situation we're in. We have the social media we have. Um, so if we're going to use them, you know, <laughs> I just, it doesn't really help to try to go totally against the flow, I guess. Well, I think the thing to remember is, right, the Romans uh, built Roman roads and yeah, that allowed the tyrannical army and other terrible things to move quickly throughout <clears throat> uh, Europe but it also enabled Paul and the apostles to spread the gospel yeah. at near light speed. And now we have the internet highway and yep, there's all kinds of hideously terrible things on there, but uh, we should be salt and light and use it to uh, God's purposes. And, you know, now you have a global messaging capability of the gospel on your phone. It's amazing. Tim, I, thank you very much for coming on, and I hope uh, we'll have you on here uh, waiting tables again soon. It'll be fun. Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you. This is the Waiting Tables podcast. You can find out more at waiting-tables.com.